started a new series that I called Ready to Eat. How many people have been ready to eat lately? Uh, I think it's been weeks. Can I talk about it? <laughs> the, the word is one of our core values here at the church. And uh, we want to have, understand, live, believe a biblical world. Okay, about half. Um, but when you drill down on what actually constitutes a biblical worldview, only 6% had an actual biblical worldview. Uh, of that 51% that said they had a biblical worldview, half of them thought that reincarnation was impossible. So you could say you had a biblical worldview, but what you believe is actually not grounded in Scripture. And if believe that the tidal wave of culture is moving in the wrong direction, we want to stand against that with, with, with believing that there's one direction, and that is the biblical way of operating. So one of these numbers is that it stands against the tidal wave of culture that's not going to follow Christ in any way. And uh, I'm just going to kind of give you some numbers of the remaining many in, in an effort to fight against that tidal wave will try to stand for the ultimate spiritual, good choice, believe God's good works, and find his way. And so 
Bible on your bed, whatever page you're listening to, in your bathroom, your closet, and throughout the day. Uh, and so you try to approach it devotionally, trying to just extrapolate God's ways for you say what, and try to piece all that together and come to the way of the Christian life. Um, or, an approach is often to shift our behavior and view. What am I supposed to do? Well, I read the Bible to find out what to do and what not to do. And I hear this a lot in the Bible about what not to do. Read my Bible. Obey the Lord. And the, 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 the challenge with this, with this approach is, is that there's nothing to do. God does want to speak in divine words to There is truth in the Bible. There is truth. There is uh, life. There is substance. And we need to know what the truth is that Jesus gives us, give us in the Bible. Um, and there is right and there is wrong. There is good and there is evil. And we need to know the difference and to come together. begins with, in the beginning, and ends with, and they shall reign forever and ever. A story. Uh, an actual big story. Um, I am forever grateful for the literature that I have I'm, I'm, I'm uncertain about the um, film adaptations that are on the, on the horizon. I'm uncertain about those, but Tolkien's introduced to the modern era this idea of
And yet, it's all the opposite. A lot of that is confusing for us, so we go to the places that are most comfortable for us, and that's usually Paul's letter, maybe the Gospels, and if you're particularly emotional, the Psalms. And if you're just on an emotional roller coaster, the Psalms. <laughs> so, if we're going to understand truth, let's just put that out there. If we're going to understand good or what is good, what's Christian? What's the church age? Good or said to them, verse 44, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in, you get two types of references, the law of Moses, which is the, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You can stop there. That's just like Jesus stopping there. He's talking about the whole Old Testament. It's written about me, as Jesus said. And then, and then what a Bible study. Then he opened up my sort of are, because we have three writings from the, the, the apostles. So, um, so Jesus thinks that when you read your, specifically your Old Testament, you're reading about him. He thinks this is about him. And because I claim to follow Jesus, I can kind of draw him out. Now, if it's about Jesus, what is this story for? It's communicating with such purpose. If it's about Jesus, why do we need to know this? We don't just need to know it's about Jesus. We need to understand by knowing, uh, by reading this story about Jesus, it's giving us new information that the scriptures intend us to know. Now, this is the second thing that we find in this passage. You can go there quickly because we're really going to have to move on. But this is the Apostle Paul. So Jesus says this is about him, specifically the Old Testament.
which are able to do what? Make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And we saw that there was that saving grace. What Paul thinks the Scripture is for is to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I'll break that down here in a minute, but we need to is breathed out by God. And he wants to, is presenting the word of God through faith. That's what it's for. As the scripture is God breathed, it is spirit breathed. What's it for? Like, why is it spirit breathed? Why would the Holy Spirit guide humans to write these scriptures? Because they are for what? Teaching. For reproof. For correction. For training in righteousness, that the man of God, we could say the human, that the human may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, so this is what your Bible is for. The first thing he says, he says it makes you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. He, he thinks that this is wisdom. Wisdom literature that is supposed to move you in a direction. Wisdom for what? Your need for rescue, for salvation. Being rescued. And not rescued by something you do, but by someone who took it from you. The Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, Jesus. So what is your Bible for? To give you wisdom, to know that you need to be rescued, not by doing something for yourself, but by trusting thing we're going to do is teach you. We're going to teach you things you don't know. We're going to instruct you in things you don't know. It's for reproof, for rebuke. It's going to call you out on the things you do know, but don't live consistent with. To think that scripture is just going to make you feel good, you're not reading it. It's going to rebuke you. It's going to call you out on things you already know, but you don't live it's going to correct you and tell you what's wrong, what's wrong with you, what's wrong with the church. And then it's going to produce something by, by teaching you, reproving you, and correcting you. It's training you. Training you for what? The way that is right. The right way. And it's producing in you a new kind of humanity. Right? A new kind of humanity that equips you to be complete. And that word complete there means furnished or equipped for a purpose. With everything you need to fulfill a purpose. I've read the Bible and I just don't walk away satisfied. But Paul thinks that if you'll read the Bible, if you'll read these scriptures, and you'll pay attention to the Holy Spirit, you're going to walk away being taught and strengthened and encouraged and called out on things that, you know, don't pay attention. Corrected, you learn from, you hear, and you're trained to be a new kind of human that is being fully equipped to fulfill a purpose. So we probably know what that purpose is and how we need salvation or rescue by trusting in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul thinks the scriptures are for. So to 
do that, we need to kind of see this whole storyline to see how we can become those kind of people that Paul is talking about here, rising to salvation through faith. So if you do that, then, and this is going to be more of a summary. We can't write this in get there by saying that uh, I know. Every time I go to study something, I'm like, yeah, I didn't see that before. Uh, or, yeah, that was Paul. Yeah, uh, I'm becoming wise to salvation through faith. Uh, that's Paul again. Okay, we gotta, if you're going to understand the story, you got to go back to the beginning, the cross that he was on. you got to go to his death, So from the very beginning, Say this in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the earth. The Spirit of God hovered over the earth, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and He separated the light. God created the heavens and the earth. The creation practices seventh was up there and the earth. And what was the status of the earth? It was This chaos, 
choice. Okay, that's the concept that he is in creation. He takes the chaos, the plumbing, the dark form of void, and his choice takes the light. And he calls that process good. Then at the pinnacle of his creation, he he says in verse 26, let us make human in our
are the temple. All temples are seen as high places where you can call and uh, pray and go and worship. Uh, you have a high mountain where the gods reside, and it's the Lord's temple. So the Garden of Eden is on a high mountain as, as a garden temple, and God puts his image and worship or idol in that temple. And in that temple is where you have the tree of life. If the humans made in his image are going to rule the world, they're going to have to make decisions that individuals are going to have to vote against God. They decide what is good and not good. So how are they going to rule the world? They're going to get a choice. They can either choose to remain in relationship and partnership with God and trust his definition of good and bad, and that's represented by the tree of life. When you're connected to the source of life, you'll get the wisdom necessary to rule the world as it's intended to be ruled. Which means you're going to have to trust. You're going to have to trust his definition of good and bad. But there's also a way to seize that knowledge for yourself and to find good and evil on your own terms. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, we have one too many of those. Think of that as, as a further expression of wisdom by the CAs in Genesis that we will have dominion. They're to take the garden and work it and keep it. And Eden is just a region of the world and enlarges to small portions of people. They're supposed to work the garden and keep it in order to take the goodness of God's garden temple into the rest of creation. Just to do it. They're, they got to fill the earth. They're not filling the earth right now. They're just coming. Well, I guess they're not putting in the hand. It's going to require something else to fill the earth, to fulfill that vocation. So, he's told to work it and keep it. Those words are piano. But you're supposed to, that's part of ruling the world, is working it and tending, caring for this garden and extending it into the rest of creation. To go fill the world with his goodness. Okay? And then they get a choice. Will they trust God, the definition of good and bad, and trust him on conditions of life? Or are they taking the tree of life? And the Lord God commanded them, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely if you seize that control for yourself, if you choose to define good and bad on your own terms, seize that free will on your own for yourself, you will be cut off from the source of life. It will result in a death. But every other tree you can eat of. Meaning you get to work and keep in this garden temple. You get to extend extend the goodness of God into all of creation. But to do that, you're going to trust me in the definition of good and bad. Or you can take it for yourself. But if you do that, you'll be cut off from the source of life. So, how do they do? Terrible. They don't make it to the end of the chapter. Chapter 3, verse 19. 
the preacher's entrance was full, he obviously in rebellion in some way, and he wants to undermine God's, God's wisdom and authority, and he wants to lead other people on that path of destruction. Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. Those are terms used specifically. Remember, what do humans have dominion over? The beast of the field. Now, the serpent was more crafty. That word there is used in Greek as verbs, mostly in power. Subtle. Crafty guys were able to leverage some understanding for themselves. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, and I'm, I'm not reading the text, it's not there. Chapter 3, he begins to talk to the woman. So, like, if you're, like, bound to a modern, a modernist logical framework, that's going to mess with you a little bit. So he begins to talk to the woman. Like it's all familiar now. Page three. He said to the woman,
Testament of David, which creates a little literary divide, which is when you take an old hymn and talk about a particular soul and do what they think is really going on and where then the chaos gets even stronger. So Sarai sees her Egyptian slave Hagar, who takes her and gives her to her husband, Abraham, and they then have a child. Which tells you, hey, we think we're one with God. But did you see what the temptation was? It was a desirable blueprint for life. There's a wisdom that I can attain that will be above God's temptations, God's boundaries. I will be more like God if I seize that wisdom for myself. Where it says in the Word, God wants you to rule the world. You see, you're going to need wisdom to do that. There's the wisdom that comes from trust, and there's the wisdom that comes from seizing control. And they seize control. And they succeed They fail at fulfilling their potential, and I think is Sulfur and fire doesn't rain from the sky. 
exile from the people. But it does result in exile from the garden. And exile from the church of God. A broken heart and fractured relationship and sinful culture. And after the garden, you'll see it spirals down. To exile in Babylon and church of God later. But listen, God still has This story is moving somewhere. And any theology that tells you this whole thing just gets crumbled up and thrown in the trash is wrong. You're not reading the Bible. But even from here, from the beginning, from the original resurrection story, there is hope. God does not leave. Thank you. 